Welcome to the Universal Sisterhood Podcast. We're hoping to create a place where women can delve deeper, lift their gaze higher, live freer, laugh louder, smile brighter, and be the authentic woman she was designed to be. Every human heart is created to be known, loved, and understood. So this is the place where women can share their stories. Welcome to episode 45. I've enjoyed all my guests on the podcast, but today, this particular guest, I was totally honoured and humbled to have on the podcast. You're about to hear Heather Kim. She has her own podcast called Abiding Together with Sister Miriam James and Michelle Benzinger. But you're going to hear Heather today. You'll hear how effortlessly her heart speaks to her head with such gentle wisdom, humility, kindness, honesty, and really a tangible love for Jesus that is just infectious. Please ignore me and my inability to make coherent questions as I was totally starstruck and captivated by her voice of truth. Um, so ignore me, listen to Heather. <laughs> also grab yourself a pen and paper because you may just want to jot down some of the pearls of wisdom that she has to offer. She speaks such truth. Um, if you enjoy the episode, share it with a friend, share it with somebody who you think this might help them come closer to Jesus. Um, another side note, I, in all my interviews, if there's something that I've referenced or there's a book or there's a song or whatever it is, I often leave it just in the show notes. So if you want to go back and look in the show notes, you'll find, um, things that I've left there, uh, references and things like that. Um, so what you're going to do now is grab yourself a cup of coffee or put on your walking shoes and listen to my conversation with Heather Kim. Enjoy. Okay. I don't know what happened then. Uh, we're there. I can cut the beginning off. I can do that. Okay. Okay. That's good. <laughs> I am so excited to have this next guest on the podcast. Um, for those of you who have never heard of Heather Kim, you're in for a real treat. Uh, she's kind, wise, um, intuitive, and very faithful. So welcome to the podcast, Heather. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words. It's very nice <laughs> welcome. <laughs> very nice welcome for this Canadian girl today. Uh, yes. Tell us who, who you are. Yeah, so... Uh, well, I'm Canadian, and I am over here just in outside of Vancouver, British Columbia, and so we're not quite neighbors, are we? <laughs> we're across the pond. <laughs> yes, across the pond, exactly. So yeah, I, I grew up here, uh, lived in the States for about 10 years, but I'm married, and we just celebrated our 20th anniversary, actually, just a couple of weeks ago. Ah, and uh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and we have three kids. They're all teenagers. Uh, our oldest just graduated from high school and is getting ready to go off to college. So, yeah, we're in a wonderful time. We just moved into a new house on property. So we're still, you might hear in the background, all kinds of big machines moving uh, dirt around because that's all that's been happening around here <laughs> for way too long. You're like pigs in mud. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yes, we're ready for the grass, I'll tell you. <laughs> we're about to do that too, actually. Yeah. diggers and things out there I'm ready for grass because yeah. we've had rain which is not that common here and it's just nutty 
Yes. Well, rain is everywhere. rain is common here. <laughs> so it has been <laughs> unbelievable. I have two dogs and they are just <laughs> loving every minute of that. But yeah, about eight mm-hmm. times a day, I got to hose, hose them down. So yeah. So anyway, we live in Vancouver. We have a ministry called Life Restoration and we've worked in the church for most of our lives. So yeah, I'm happy to be with you. Happy to be chatting with you today. Great. Well, I first heard of you or heard your voice through your podcast, Abiding Together. Um, it was probably two and a half, maybe three years ago. Is that Would that be right? How long have yeah, it been I going think, for? You know, I don't even know. I think it's, yeah, almost three years, I think. Yeah, I think you were like nine months in. So mm. I had nine months to catch up on. And I used every every other day listening <laughs> to your podcast. Uh, and then I, and then the every week so I had I had a a a binge I did a not a Netflix binge but an abiding (laughs) together binge (laughs) and you were able to through the power of the Holy Spirit really touch my heart you spoke to all three of you spoke directly to my heart and I was hooked you know when um somebody finally speaks your language and you think wow I, I I know where she's coming from I resonate with that well that was me you were speaking my language and I was totally captivated um I'd listen to you in the car in the gym hanging out the washing cooking in the laundry so much so to a point where I had to confess (laughs) at one point that I was neglecting my children (laughs) I'm so sorry that I admit that but that's what was happening I'd be I had my pods in I'd no just I am listening (laughs) (laughs) yes this is so good yeah (laughs) <laughs> so um yeah so I, I I binge listened to you for a very long time um and then fast forward to 2019 is that when the retreat was I don't know life's gone crazy I don't know what month I'm in or <laughs> I, I agree every day feels the same right now <laughs> yeah it's Groundhog day anyway I found out that you were coming on the blessed is she retreat uh, shine retreat in phoenix and i thought oh, my best friend's gonna be there this is amazing <laughs> so i was really excited um i was telling everybody and my sister gave me a letter to give you and some friends and then um i went to the retreat which was another story in itself trying to get there the uh the enemy loves to put obstacles yes there's a, there's a real pattern with him he's he's not like he is insidious, but when you understand his tactics, you can see them uh, quite quite clearly. Um, anyway, so you were there, and um, I thought this is going to be amazing. I'm about to meet my best friend, who I know everything about. <laughs> we're going to hit it off. It's going to be fireworks, the lot. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to understand each other because we do. Um, and I uh, lined up to meet you and you finally turned around and said, hi. I said, oh, hi, I'm Jessica from Australia, as if you'd know exactly who I was. <laughs> and there, was there were no fireworks. <laughs> there was no, like, immediate con- You were gracious and kind and lovely. But we weren't besties and I was <laughs> devastated. <laughs> if only I had known. Shoot. <laughs> I know. I should have shot you a text before because we were so close. I would have texted you. <laughs> I said your best friend's coming right anyway uh, <laughs> uh you said to me oh look I've got to go I'm, I'm about to give a talk and I was just like left there like 
you know, all forlorn, like, oh, my best friend's gone. Anyway, I uh, tried to man up and went to the front and listened to um, your talk, which was amazing, by the way. Um, and then there were a few other talks and I was waiting in the line for confession and it was a very long line, which was beautiful because so many women were lining up for confession, mm-hmm. something that you just do not see and it was it was amazing. Um, and I was I was talking to God and I was saying, you know, I'm, re- I'm a little bit flat, Jesus. Like, she's, we didn't hit it off. And I thought we were going to be great friends. And, and he spoke directly to my heart, very quietly, very peacefully. And he said, you didn't come all the way across the world to meet Heather Kim. You came to fall in love with me. And I, mm. I thought, oh, my gosh. Love that me. is so true. Yeah, well, it's. Anyway, you had such an impact on me and um, it was beautiful. I felt very peaceful after that and uh, was happy to just, you know, go with the flow. I knew that my priority was not you (laughs) as much as I wanted it to be. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Um, That it was to fall in love with Jesus. And then you went on to give a talk about um, receiving the gaze of Jesus which was so beautiful. Um, I would love it one day if you could talk about that, but that's another story. Um, anyway, we were sitting around having lunch. There was 400 women and I was just chatting to women. But in that confessional line, I, he said to me, just wait and see what I can do. You know, I'm, you know, you've come here for me. Don't you think I can do things? You know, mm. I move. Anyway, sitting there uh, chatting to these women and I, you came around and you sat down and you said, I think I need to get to know you. Well, the floodgates just opened and I cried, I think, for 24 hours and my husband thought, what on earth has happened to this woman? <laughs> but you said something to me that was so beautiful and um, only the Holy Spirit can do that. So I'm so grateful for your docility because mm. uh, he speaks through you. And I'm hoping you'll be able to share some of your story with my listeners um, and show them that we all have a story mm-hmm. and um, it's not the end of the story. You've taught me that. <laughs> yeah. So, true. so could you explain, could you share with our listeners your story it's it's a story of of redemption it's it's how it's yeah it's powerful it's beautiful but it's not uncommon would you say (laughs) well I don't know I mean there's various parts to our story as everybody listening is thinking wow what would I say you know uh, (laughs) if I had to share my story there's so many different parts and facets to all of our stories and I think it's only been, you know, really in the last probably 15 years that I've dove into my story and been able to grasp certain parts of it. Because I think sometimes when things are so difficult in our past, we don't know how to engage with it. And uh, for me, I I just blocked out a lot of my past. You know, I, I didn't really, I almost disassociated from it. It's like, it, it felt like it didn't really happen to me in some ways. Um, and it wasn't until later that I realized, wow, it's really important 
that we embrace our whole story and invite God into all of the parts of our story um, so that he can really redeem and restore because that's who he is. That's what he wants to do. Um, and I think, you know, I fell into the trap, which most of us do, which is thinking, hey, I just got to get over it you know, move on. Everybody has stuff. We just got to pull up our bootstraps and move on. <laughs> but I realize we, we don't often. We, we might think we do and we might say we do, but pain comes out in various ways and we can't shake that. Uh, we can't just, cope. you know, we're not meant to just cope with it. We're meant to invite God in so that he can heal. Um, that, that's what he desires to do. And we know that because he says in, in the book of John, you know, I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. And that's what he wants for us is the full life, you know? So uh, believing that and growing in my faith in that and in the words of Jesus, that he really, what he says is true. He's not messing around, um, has opened up my heart to receive more and to believe him that he really does want me to have a full life, which it's not just me, it's all of us, you know? Uh, so anyway, back to us meeting. What a pleasure to meet you. And I do remember <laughs> us meeting very, very clearly and the letter from your sister and all of that. It was just a, a I mean, retreats just have a beautiful way of bringing people together, kindred spirits and, and hearts that are on a similar path, although we may have very different stories. So that was a pleasure and I'm glad to be with you today. Um, yeah, my story, I grew up Catholic and grew up in the Vancouver area and, you know, just went to church Sunday, pretty regular family for the most part. Um, my family had a lot of tragedies that happened, like most of our families. We just can't get away from that as human beings, experiencing suffering and hardship in our life. And um, when I was about like 10, 11 years old, uh, one of my family members was really involved in the occult. And because I was the youngest in my family, I was very affected by all of that. It was just psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, very abusive environment that I was in. And I experienced so much fear to the, it was paralyzing fear for, you know, two or three years. I could barely sleep at night because I was so, so afraid of the dark uh, and not just the dark per se, but darkness, you know, mm -hmm. and evil things. And just, I think I was so susceptible because I was so young. I think that's, mm -hmm. that's a part of a lot of our stories that when we're young and we're innocent, we're really vulnerable. We're vulnerable to our environments and the things that go on around us. And there's nothing that could have prepared me to deal with that because we're not meant to deal with things like that. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I suffered quite a bit and it was, um, it's hard to explain, you know, what that type of uh, abusive environment is like, but fear was the main thing that stuck with me for a long, long time. And even though I experienced different levels of healing from that and this family member, you know, had some of their own redemption story and, and all of that, there, this fear just lingered for a long, long time. And I just didn't know if God was going to show up because I didn't feel like he did when I needed him the most. That was my perception, you know, and I think we have perceptions about God a lot. If we can't see things a certain way or, we, or he doesn't answer us a certain way, we make assumptions about what his intentions are or what the whole story is. Um, and so, yeah, throughout most of my life, I just was very quite self-reliant because, hey, you know, I'm strong, I'm tough. <laughs> you got to just deal with the cards you're, you, you're given. And that was the cards I was given. And I thought, you know, I just need to be strong and protect everybody around me, protect myself and in many ways, I stepped into the shoes of God um, mm -hmm. 
of just being the caretaker of everybody and and not really at all depending on him. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know what that meant. And out of my hurt, feeling like I couldn't depend on him, I just didn't. And so that, that became quite debilitating later in life. You know, the more that we do, the more we take on, the more responsibility, children, husband, <clears throat> work, you know, we run our own company, all of those things. It was just like pressure, pressure, pressure um, on me. And and that's when I realized, wow, I really need to, I really need to start leaning into God and let this go, let my guard down. And that's, you know, that's a big part of realizing the root of fear and the root of self-reliance for me. It, it didn't just happen by chance. There was a reason why it happened. It wasn't my fault, you know. Um, and it wasn't until I had my own kids and I looked at my daughter who was the same age as me one day. She was standing in the kitchen and it was the first time I looked at her and I thought, oh my goodness, that's how old I was when all that happened. Like, what would it be like for her to go through that? And yeah. it was the first time that I really felt compassion for my own story, not as a victim, you know, of like, Oh, woe is me. It didn't send me on a big spiral. It was just like a deep, like compassion for that little girl that was me, you know, a long time ago mm-hmm. that was so hurt. And, and it, it opened up a doorway for me to walk through and to go, okay, what really happened there? What happened to my heart? How would it affect, you know, one of my kids if that happened to them? It's almost like I had to look at it through the lens of another person um, because yeah. I was so disassociate. I was so disassociated mm-hmm. from it. Um, and what's funny and what is so the goodness of God is that, like I said to you, I couldn't see that God was acting, but it was at that same time, right around there, like within a year of all that stuff breaking open in my family, that I was invited to go on a retreat. And, and I objected and said no, because I wasn't that kind of crazy involved Catholic. I just, I just bare minimum, you know, that's all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty boring. Everybody else seemed bored. I just wasn't into it. Um, a pretty judgmental teenager, you know. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, I ended up at this retreat. I ended up caving at the end. I don't know. I don't even know why. Uh, well, I didn't know why. And now I know it was just the Holy Spirit was softening my heart to the idea. And I ended up on this retreat. And and it wasn't like huge fireworks the first time I went there. But what I did see was people engaging with God in a real way that I had never seen before, nor had I experienced before. And it looked like they had a relationship with this God who just seemed like a very far away idea to me. God seemed far away, but to them, he was very close. And that intrigued me. And it also was touching on desire that I had, which we all desire to be Mm -hmm. close to him because he's the one who made us to be just like him and to be in relationship with him. So it tugged me. And the next year that I went back, you know, I was sitting there in the room of, 500 teenagers in some gross gym somewhere, <laughs> gymnasium somewhere. And, and the speaker, uh, Peter Herbeck, just walked off the stage right up to me and said, uh, the whole time I was talking, you know, I just, I just had you on my heart. Like, can I pray with you? I really believe God has great things for you. And I, I was just this fearful girl, so awkward and not anybody to be noticed. And um, I had such a powerful encounter with God when he prayed with me. It blew my the doors off of everything that I thought about God being far away. He came very, very close to me. And I don't know how to describe it other than I just knew. I knew that he was close. And I also knew that he saw me. And I wasn't just a nobody 
to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting because at the time I felt like not at the time of that encounter, but as I, as I, um, looked on my story, I would say, Oh, I was very alone in that time. God abandoned me, but actually he didn't abandon me. You know, he was, there was these moments of great fear. And then this moment of a great encounter, you know, and then I came home, there's more moments of great fear. There was a lot of moments of me falling and tripping up and doing drugs and drinking and all these things to try to like satisfy this Mm -hmm. deep ache and like take away the fear that I was experiencing. And then all of a sudden, you know, God would intervene again with some huge, you know, magnificent event. And uh, one of which is my dad, uh, when I was just a senior in high school, grade 12, he was diagnosed with cancer, uh, stage four, large cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And, um, and he, the doctors gave him three months to live. He was declining rapidly. Uh, they they found tumors throughout his whole body. It was in his blood, his bone marrow, you know, it was all throughout. And I kept crying out to God and it started to feel similar, me crying out to God and God not answering, not answering, not answering. And then one night my dad just asked God to heal him when he was in the hospital and he had this overwhelmingly powerful experience. He's a super logical guy. So this didn't even make (laughs) any sense like in his world. Um, And the next day when he went in for them to look at these tumors closer, they said, Mr. McGuire, there's nothing there. Like all the cancer had been healed from his body. Wow. I mean, he, it was a true miracle. Like the, the doctors couldn't explain what happened. You know, they had no, no reason for that because they just had seen all of these tumors and, and now they were gone and he wow. regained perfect health, you know? So this was all happening in my teenage years, like this tumultuous, you know, light and darkness clashing in my own life. And, and um, those experiences radically changed me. It, on the one hand, I recognize, wow, there really is a darkness in the world that's real. And, and on the other hand, God is incredibly powerful, you know, and he wants to come close in our life and make a difference. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that led me on this path of just pursuing a relationship with God. And, um, and that happened in multiple ways, but... It, it wasn't like all the problems went away or <laughs> all the doubts went away or all the fears went away. You know, it's definitely a journey of, yeah, having to accept your story at, at various points. And the story continues to unfold. Like you said, you know, it's an ongoing. They don't journey. go away, but what happens to them? They become manageable. You realize you're not relying on yourself. Well, I think there's different ways that we deal with our story. You know, I think for most of us, we just cope. We just find a way to cope with the bad things. We're not actually dealing with it and healing from it and allowing God, not just on our own power, but allowing God to come in and restore things that have been lost and broken and stolen from us. Um, I think, you know, for many years as a Catholic, I grew up, like I said, like going to church and stuff. But even after that, I went to a Catholic university and I studied theology and I was, I was in a very, I don't say that like, yay me. I, I was just in a very Catholic environment and I was open, but for some reason, I, I never, it, I never clued in to the, the message that Jesus really can heal us and restore us now. We don't just have to put up with all of this crap until we get to yeah. heaven. And for some reason, I'd, I'd never heard that. And to be honest with you, I don't think most of us have really yeah. heard that message and embraced it and gotten to a place where we choose to believe it and then pursue it. Um, mm-hmm. Because it doesn't just happen. 
usually. You know, it's not like God doesn't want to be used. He's not like a genie in the bottle, you know, who just wants to be used for tricks, mm -hmm. magic tricks, you know. He's a person yeah. who desires a relationship with us. And um, and he desires to make us whole through a journey and through a relationship because it's through that journey that we come to know his goodness, his kindness, his love for us, and a faithful love that we've never known anywhere else and his deep care and concern for us, you know? That's beautiful. I, I, I had a, and the journey is continuous. It doesn't mean that you've got all the answers. You've, you've arrived. I don't think you ever arrive until you actually arrive at, at the gates of heaven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Last year I was, I had spinal surgery. Oh, um, wow. And I remember I, it was from the time the doctor said he'll operate, from the time I saw the doctor to the operation was five days. So I was in this, like, do I do it? Like, this is ridiculous. I didn't expect spinal surgery. So I was umming and ahhing and just didn't know which way. And I asked for, I did a novena and I asked for, some, you know, the, the roses. So I asked St. Therese if she would show me a rose. She didn't show me one rose. She showed me a a garden of roses and I still ignored it like I still mm -hmm. no that's not it no I'm not I was lying there in the pre-op um room and I, I'm still not sure like am I really am I doing the right thing am I overreacting like surely I can put up with this and he, I had this deep sense of no I want you fully healed you know I want you fully I want you to live a full your life fully alive not just partially alive or putting up with it mm -hmm. and I this I was just flooded with okay all right this is this is what I'm meant to do mm -hmm. um you can question yourself and doubt yourself right up to the very end but unless you surrender you don't you don't have that peace yeah exactly um, and there are definitely things in this world where we will have suffering that isn't going to go away, you know, but our perspective mm. can change and mm. our dependence on God and the comfort that we feel from his presence with us in the midst of sorrow and suffering is it, that's radically changed how I enter into different parts of my story now. And as my life continues to unfold, as tragedy strikes or disappointments happen or suffering occurs, you know, we know that on this side of heaven, we're not going to experience a miracle for everything. Then we would be in heaven. You know, if, if God came in and, and answered every single prayer the way we wanted to with healing, restoration every single time, well, that would be heaven. You know, he said, you, you will have struggle here, but but don't have any fear. Like I've overcome the world and we have to lean into him is what I've realized. If we want to experience comfort and continue to experience the fullness of life, even in the midst of sorrow and hard things, you know, my parents lost a son. He was only seven years old. I was just a baby when that happened, you know? So as much as, yeah, my dad had a healing of cancer. They also experienced on the other end, like extreme tragedy and suffering mm -hmm. and, to see how God has sustained them in their marriage and and their faith even after tragedy like that is is extremely not just inspiring but it changes you you know it gives you hope like that mm -hmm. wow like you can still live after the worst things have happened um and yeah even as I've journeyed you know closely with God and my husband too he's you know a devout catholic and all of that we have had our share of struggles that we've had to work through 
um, in our marriage and, and had to invite God into again, here we go again, you know, <laughs> God, can you come mm-hmm. in and heal mm-hmm. again? Yeah. It's cyclical, isn't it? You think, okay, here we go again. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think every time it, I mean, we have a very short memory. You do like kind of, uh, it takes over, but then you, you quickly, well, I don't know about you, but for me, I, not maybe not quickly, but I am able to remember what he's done before and hold on to that and realize that he will come in. He does come in and rescue you if you ask him. Maybe not in the way you expect, but he does turn up. He shows up every time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a beautiful scripture in Lamentations. I think it's chapter three or four, uh, chapter three, verse four, something like that, where this guy is like just he's lamenting you know he's talking about all these horrible sufferings that he's going through and it's just the worst description I mean you just go boy the poor guy you know and then he goes but I will call this to mind as my reason to have hope the favors of the Lord are not exhausted and his mercies are not spent so great as his faithfulness they're renewed every morning you know, and those are the kind of things that I lean into as like, you know, I need some anchors of things that are true to hold me when the storms come, you know, and we are, we are in the middle of a worldwide storm right now with this whole coronavirus COVID thing. And, uh, I don't say that lightly, you know, there's, it's creating a lot of other storms, you know, there's a domino effect that is happening of storms right now. And I think we need, obviously we need Jesus at the center of it. But his words, you know, in the scriptures and all of that are very, very important right now to anchor us down. Daily, I heard somebody say, just listen to the daily mass readings mm-hmm. every day. Like he's, if you just listen to what is being said each day, it's so applicable mm-hmm. to now. It's, it's, it's incredibly beautiful. Like he's so close that he can orchestrate that, that he can mm-hmm. talk to us. Mm-hmm. Um, daily do you have, are you allowed to go to mass yet we are allowed yeah. um we haven't been because my parents live with us and they're at high risk um just the okay. circumstances they're in so we haven't gone back they have like limited you know up to 50 people yeah. numbers yeah. yeah 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 um so getting back to story how does yeah. how does one start to engage in the truth of their own story like it's if you've never been looked at it yourself it's quite overwhelming where, where do you start how do you you know if you're at the end of your you know tether and you're thinking where do I turn how do I do this what would you recommend yeah you know something that I have done and that I've also led other people into which is really helpful is to just look at your life in depending on how old you are you know five year or ten year increments and go what what were the like two or three positive things that I remember from this time, like, like the ones that stand out and what are the two or three negative things from this time that I remember and, and the message that I took from those things, you know, because there's some wonderful things that have happened at various points in my life where I've took the message of like, I'm good, you know, or like my, yeah, my parents like really love me, you know, because this happened or whatever. So those are good things to call to mind. But 
the negative things are also important. They shape us, you know, and they can either shape us to be a wounded person that acts out of our woundedness, or they can shape us as we let God restore them for those things to fuel us to be more loving, more kind, more generous, more sensitive, um, more compassionate to other people in the world and to bring, bring light there, you know, to bring words of hope there. If we haven't experienced those changes in our life, if we haven't experienced redemption, you know, of every part of our story, even the things that seem small and insignificant, they aren't insignificant in the economy of God. And, um, and I think for all of us really in deep in our hearts, we do want to be that in the world. We want to be the ones that, you know, when people are hurting, they can turn to and lean in on us, right. you know, that there's a strength there and that we, we know that there's hope that's welling up within our heart that we can give away to other people. And the world desperately needs that now more than ever. Mm-hmm. So I, I would start with that. It's like, go, go through your life and say, and jot it, jot it down, you know, make notes about what are these things that happen? What are the themes that occurred? What's, and, and really like one of the big questions is what are the messages that I took from that positive or negative? Because there are messages that we take from things. If you had a teacher who was constantly belittling you, you're going to take a message at some point, something like, I'm stupid, or, you know, like people in authority don't like me, or whatever it might be. Um, and that those things, when they take root, they can have a huge effect on how we interact in relationships in the future. So if I, you know, experience a a deep wound where I can't trust someone and I bring that into my marriage or I bring that into my friendships and I don't trust people, then that's going to affect my ability to love and also receive. It's almost like we can sabotage ourselves by continuing to operate out of these wounds or we can allow God to come in and heal so that we can love the way we want to. We all desperately want to love so well, you know, like I think everybody does. That's in the deep at the ache of every human heart is I want to be loved for who I am and I want to love well. I want to just like freely give it away without reserve. Um, but because many of us have experienced so much hurt and brokenness, we're, we're hesitant. We're hesitant with a lot of people or we get cold, we shut down, don't want to get too emotional or we're too emotional. You know, we're, we're constantly the victim or needing attention, you know, whatever it might be to feel secure. And, um, So, yeah, so that's the first thing I would do is like very practical. And then we have to start inviting Jesus into some of the painful memories. Just say, Jesus, I just invite you to come in here into this memory. And what do you have to tell me about this? And I've had to go to a lot of counseling therapy. Like some people are like, oh, my gosh, like that. I could never do that. You know, there's just still such a stigma around it. But, Hmm. you know, I've realized that after a lifetime of being the strong one and (laughs) trying to have it all together, that. I've actually done the best when I've allowed myself to be little and just let the guard down and been like, okay, I don't have it all together. I need someone to help me navigate this because I want to be better. I can't do this on my own. I actually can't do everything on my own. That was a hard one for me to come to grips with. Like I wanted to believe I could, you know, I'm pretty capable. Like, like I can do, I can brainstorm a lot of ways out of stuff, a lot of ways out of problems, but yeah, there were certain things in my life I couldn't, I couldn't get past or I couldn't, I didn't know the way through, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's why we have people to help us, whether it be a close friend or a counselor. A good counselor, I think, can be really, really helpful. 
Um, and God can use all of those things. Like, I think we can separate often in our mind. It's like, oh, well, that's that, and this is church, and this is what, like, God can use all things good to mm. bring about our healing and wholeness. And, um, and that can take a lot of forms, you know. So, now, yeah, asking. Your, your, your husband is a counselor, right? He is. Is that yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Does he do Zoom, Zoom sessions, like for Australians? Um, well, he, he doesn't have his practice open right now, but uh, there are okay. a lot of counselors that do that. Okay. Do it over Zoom. And um, yeah, so even if you don't have somebody in your local area, it's not yeah. hard to find someone. It may take a little bit of time to find the right fit, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's super, super helpful. And, and there's lots of things that we can do, like Dr. Bob Schutz, who is a uh, He's also a clinical psychologist that my husband has a podcast with. They're good friends, but he has a healing the whole person retreat. Some of those are online. He has a book called Be Healed. There's just uh, Sister Miriam James, who's my good friend. She I has read, a book. Read hers. Yeah. Um, Loved as I am. I mean, there's are resources that sometimes we're not willing to step fully into the light and like open up the doors wide to everything, but it's little steps, you know, if we can make little steps to open the door to Jesus, I think it's so, so important. Yeah. To let him in, like for people that are just starting, you don't have to be in a church, do you? You can just be in a quiet place in your home. Yeah, and just of course. Of course. Out. God yeah. is always interested in you. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Like he is just waiting for you. I mean, I, that in its, in and of itself blows my mind that the creator of the entire universe, the stars and the mountains and the ocean and all the beauty that we see and the people that we love is looking at us, is looking at us individually, just waiting for us to engage in a relationship with him. I mean, it deserves a response. That's how I feel. Yeah. You know, like at one point in my life, I had to realize this deserves a response from me. Like he has given everything to me. And what do I have to say in return to him? You know, because That's he is so a person, beautiful. you know, Jesus has a yeah. body. He's a person. Yeah, he's God. But this is this is what we're made for. If we're made in his image, of course, we're made for relationship. You hear this. I, I'm hearing it everywhere in in the science world, in the psychological world, the secular world. They're all talking about right now. Depression is at an all time high because we are made for connection. Brene Brown, she talks about that all the time. We are made for connection. You know why? Because we're made in the image and likeness of God. And he mm-hmm. is a trinity of persons. He is in relationship constantly, constantly. And that's the image that we were made in. So... I think that's a big piece of us like grounding ourselves. We have to know our identity and root ourselves in the truth of who we are, which is that we are made in the image of love. And that's what we're made for, you know? And so everything that is not love, everything that is out of sorts, all the ways that we've been wounded or we've wounded other people, this is where we desperately need love himself, who is God, who is Jesus to come in and heal and restore. Like this is what we all want so bad you know i love the beatles all we need is love yes we do because that is god you know not love in a fake way not trite that i mean we truly need god to infuse everything of who he is because everything he is is love into our life i could just get you to keep talking and talking talking (laughs) it don't do that we may never end (laughs) 
you pulled a plug <laughs> okay. on me at some point. I won't point. do that. I, I know, I know, I know. I know. I've, got, I've, got, I've got six kids out there who are going to bash down the door soon. <laughs> oh, yeah, where's my breakfast? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've already fed some to keep them quiet. Um, can, I, can I just go back and touch on identity? Because I heard something yesterday. We have um, Lyle Sheldon, he's an Australian Christian lobbyist, He's, he's the head of the Australian Christian Lobby. And he said, our culture is in the throes of being our own gods. It's the age of self-love, self-esteem, self-confidence, self-care, being my best self and the selfie. It's all about self. It's an age in which identity is used more than any other. What's the identity, he asked? It's just who I am. I mean, if, if it's just who I am, it, it doesn't get you very far, is it? <laughs> Does it? Could you, I would love for you to break open what our real identity is. I, I actually think, you know, the way that we, everything that you just said in that quote, we, we think so much less of ourselves mm-hmm. than God thinks of us. Even when we elevate ourselves in all of those ways that that guy described, we still think so much less of ourselves than God does. To think that we have the corner on our own identity and have figured ourselves out. We are so complex. I, I, I don't think any of us have figured ourselves out. We are constantly looking to like what personality test or what color I am or to help me understand like more about myself. We are very complex, mysterious beings. And, mm-hmm. and I think that when we truly root our identity in the truth of who we are as sons and daughters of God... I mean, we hear that, but I don't know if we really know what that means. You know, in the scriptures, like God is saying things like, I knew you when you were in the womb. I formed you. I chose you before you were even born. Like, you didn't choose me. I chose you and you are mine. Like, he is, he is saying su- such personal things to us. And as the scriptures go on, you know, we hear things like Jesus saying, I'm not going to call you a servant. I'm not going to call you a slave. You're my friend. I call you my friend. You know, um, he, he's inviting us into this, but the language that I think is the most beautiful is when he calls us children, when he calls us his sons and daughters, because it's like, you're not a slave anymore. You're an heir. You are, you inherit everything of who I am. So when, when the father looks at Jesus and sees his son, he looks at you, Jess, and sees his daughter just the same, not mm-hmm. less, not less, not different. It's the same. Mm-hmm. So when we root ourselves in like, I am the daughter of the king of the universe. Okay, that seems significantly better than whatever I must think of myself and my identity. You know, I don't think we've tapped into enough of the identity that God wants to bestow on us. And it is something that he bestows you know, it is something that I think we all need to listen to the voice of God, just like he spoke over Jesus saying, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Like God want, God the Father wants to say that to us as well, individually, about who we are. I mean, yeah, if we could just sit there and ponder that for a very long time, it, mm. that it, it's so beautiful. It's, it, it's, sometimes it's even frightening to even think about that because the gravity of, as you said, it deserves a response. Like, he, it's, it's incredible. If only we just sit there and listen and, 
I really own that. It's the world will change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and really, need. it's it is opening our heart to to who God actually is, not who we think mm-hmm. He is, not who we may have heard He is, not our mm-hmm. misconceptions of who He is, because we do have a lot of them based on our human mm-hmm. relationships, which often are riddled with a lot of wounds, and we fear that God will be the same. You know, we are made in His image, but He isn't made in ours. Like, he is perfect. Mm-hmm in every way. He is faithful to the end. He doesn't cause us harm. He's the author of life, not the author of death. He wants good things for us, you know, across the board. This is a love we, we don't experience very often. Yeah, that's beautiful. I could keep talking and I'm not going to hold you because I can see that the time's ticking on. <laughs> oh, my 40, time is, is all, it's all yours, whatever you want. Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, can can I just ask um, the when you were saying that um, the 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 gaze of the, the he, he's a real person? I remember you saying on the retreat he's he's alive. Mm-hmm. I'd never contemplated that before. As as simple as that is, mm-hmm. I and I, I've been brought up in a you know a good Catholic family. The fact that he is alive now and wants a relationship with you, it had never crossed my mind. It was always someone that, you know, I was um, clawing at or approving myself to. Um, could you explain, could you give us an insight into the face of, the, of, of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, geez, I mean, I can only share what I feel like God has opened my eyes to a little bit, you know, which is just a little bit like it's, we cannot fathom the, the majesty and the beauty of God. Um, but yeah, I think God does want us to, to know him. I, for many of us, we can have this idea that a relationship with God means I go to church. I might say a rosary, mm-hmm. like it's what I do for him that, that means I'm Catholic or means I'm a Christian or means I have a relationship or whatever. But, but if we look at our human relationships, if we just did that, you know, if we just showed up because someone said we had to, well, that wouldn't really be a relationship, you know, that relationships involve hearts. They involve people and getting to know one another, you know? So for me, there's been a journey in the last decade of really getting to know the character of God. Like he is a person. He does have a body. Jesus has a body. Like it rose. He rose from the dead and that body rose up to heaven. That's what we profess. We profess it every time we go to church in the creed, you know. And so if that's true, and like I said, I, I personally witnessed a miracle. How, how would that have happened if God isn't real and alive? That's one of many, 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 many ways. We look outside, we see the beauty of creation. Like God is alive and well and he is moving all over the place if we have eyes to see it, if we have eyes to see him. One of the most stunning stories for me um, was just like, I love the artist um, Akiana, and she is like a child prodigy. And she is she Japanese? No, she's not. She's like from Idaho or somewhere Uh in the United States. (laughs) Oh, is she Indian? American Indian? Yeah, I don't know her, her background really, but when she was like eight years old, she painted this beautiful image of Jesus called Prince of Peace. And People can Google it and look it up. It's one of my wow. favorite images of of Jesus because his eyes are just so captivating. And when I look at that, I think, oh, wouldn't he have had captivating eyes? Like, could you imagine like 
the, the apostles, like when Jesus walked in and just said, come follow me, and they just dropped everything, what would that, what would that person have to be like in your life if they walked into where you worked and just looked at you and said, Jess, like, come follow me. And you went, okay. And then just dropped everything. What kind of person, like he must've had such captivating eyes. He must've had something about him that they were willing to walk away from everything. Like I want to get to know someone like that. You know, Jesus is completely captivating. He's not this stoic, like, listen to me. You know, we put a lot of tone to whatever we read in scripture, or maybe someone else does <laughs> when they're reading it at church or whatever. But, but really, like, what would his tone have been? I'm sure he was a crack up. I'm sure he was so funny um, because everybody wanted to be around him. You know, he was an incredible teacher. He was an incredible person. He loved the people who no one else wanted to love. He was so compassionate and kind. Like, these are the things. Anyway, back to the story. She painted this image of him. People should look it up. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, but she How do you spell wasn't her name? A K uh A K A I N E. Okay. I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> and so the fascinating thing is that she's eight years old. She's this amazing artist prodigy. But she had never heard of God and had never heard of Jesus oh, wow. before. Her whole family is atheist and she just started having these like visions and dreams. And out came these amazing paintings. Now she's still on a spiritual journey. I'm not saying she's like the dude she has this epic spiritual connection with God, but something is going on there, obviously. Anyway, so in, in relation to that story, um, there's another book that was written about this real life story called Heaven is for Real about a little boy who ended up getting very, very sick and was in the hospital and had like a near-death experience and said he met Jesus. And his dad was a pastor. And his dad afterwards was doubting a lot and said, well, I want to know what did he look like, this Jesus that you met, thinking his son was really just like dreaming this up. And so he kept showing him all these pictures, you know, of Jesus over and over and over again. And he got to that one that Akiana painted and his son goes, that's him right there. And, you know, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if his face looks like that. I have no idea. But I do know he does have a face in one day. I hope that we're all going to see it and we're going to look into those captivating eyes and we're just going to look at each other and there will be tears of like joy and love that just pour out of his eyes and our eyes when we meet each other. Like this is what a relationship with God should feel like because he's someone to fall in love with. There's nothing else that he wants than to just fall in love with you and to have you fall in love with him. And most of us aren't hearing that when we go to church on Sunday or or we didn't hear that growing up, you know, in our families. Um, But that is the truth of who he is because all he is is love. Yes. He's justice. Yes. He's mercy. Yet he's all of these things, but at the, he is love. And we've learned that we've all learned that about him as as we were little children. And love drives that perfect love drives out fear. So that we have nothing to be afraid. That's so beautiful. You've got me in tears. I um. (laughs) He told me a few years ago that I had to fall in love with him and not you. (laughs) That's true. And you're much better for it, Jess, I tell you. (laughs) That was a a good decision. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, that was so beautiful, Heather. Thank you. I am going to look her up. Akian. Akian. No A at the end. Yeah. Uh, I could sit here all day and listen to your wisdom. It's it's truly inspirational. It's beautiful. Um, so thank you so much for your time. 
But before I go, you need to tell me something that brought you joy this week. Have you thought of anything? Oh, yeah. You know, there's been actually several things. You asked me that question. I was like, oh, yeah, I got to think of something specific. And then I my, I just like got so busy with everything. But um, honestly, like what is bringing me joy right now is the mountains. Like I look outside. We've had so much rain here that it's been it's been actually very hard for a lot of us. Like it's been usually July is like so awesome summer. We're in the middle of summer and it's just like everybody just desperately waits for June and July for it to be beautiful. And it's just been rain, 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 rain. And the sun has come out in the last few days and just lit up all the mountains. We have beautiful snow capped mountains all year round here. And so, um, the property that we moved to, it's on a ridge that overlooks these North shore mountains. And I, yeah, it's just been like, looking up and breathing again you know nature is really really important for me to experience life so yeah so I need to get out there and I need to breathe deep you know so that's that's been the thing that's been bringing me a ton of joy um this week so beautiful yeah and also our little puppy he he is so cute we have a mini Australian shepherd we have two dogs actually there you go we have the connection I know see see? I knew it I knew it yeah that that's it (laughs) Yeah, he's just so cute. I don't know. I can't get over him. I love a good, a cute little puppy. So <laughs> how okay. about you? His name is Sam. Samwise Gamgee actually is his full name. You know, Lord of the Rings. Our kids were right into it when we got yes. him. So. <laughs> anyway. uh, well, what brought me joy? Uh, a few months ago, you put on a, um, a recipe for Sam Wellington, was it? Yes. Mm. So so I made it. It was fantastic. Everyone mm-hmm. ate it, even the six-year-old. Anyway, the other day I was in a hurry, in a rush, and I said to my 15-year-old, can you make that salmon wellington that I made? Because I had the ingredients because I was going to do it again. She made it better than I did. Nice. Stuff. It was It was so good. It's so easy. And oh, it's so yeah. tasty. And, and it looks amazing. It looks like you've That's really nice. gone. You've pulled out all the stops. I know. That's why I wanted to share it with people because I felt that way when I first made it. I was like, dang, this looks so good. Like my company is going to be super impressed. And it, it was like so easy to make. So I wanted to share that with everybody. It's like, you got to have one meal in your back pocket that you yeah. can pull off when guests are coming. That isn't a lot of effort. So <laughs> hardly any effort looks amazing and tastes fantastic. So thank you. That brought oh, me a lot of joy that welcome. my 15 year old could do it. <laughs> I love, yeah. I love that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Jess, yeah. thanks for having me. I mean, it was really wonderful to spend this time chatting with you. And um, it was worth getting up early for. <laughs> yeah. And thanks for just your podcast. You know, thanks for just responding to what the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do. Appreciate Thank you. That. I appreciate that. Thank you, Heather. It was so beautiful chatting with you. Now go out and enjoy this, the little sun that you have. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. Take care. Thank you. Okay. See you. Bye.